0: Welcome to the Punk Rock NBA podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA. Today's episode is a bonus episode. This is the audio version of an interview I did about a year ago with my friend Biggie. He manages a bunch of bands that you may have heard of. For example, Knocked Loose and Every Time I Die, among many others. He is the owner of Good Fight Management who manage probably you know if you're into like the heavier side of hardcore or the more hardcore side of metalcore they probably manage about half the bands that you listen to and i was really excited to sit down with biggie and just kind of unpack how all that works like what exactly does a manager do what should an artist look for in a manager what should a manager look for in an artist like how do managers get paid There's a lot of questions out there about this, and we get into all of that here. The audio is not the best, so I apologize for that, but we were just kind of doing the best with what we could. He works out of the Violent Gentleman office down in uh, Huntington, so we just kind of found a room there. It was a little bit loud, but I think you'll be able to get the idea, kind of the reality of when you're doing things run and gun, as we sometimes do over here on this podcast. We work with what we can, but before we get into the episode, I just wanted to quickly thank everybody who supports us on Patreon, especially those of you who support at the true cult level or above. It is because of your support that we're able to do this show at all. It's because of you guys that I was able to hire Deanna Chapman, who is the show's producer and editor. She is amazing. She makes this whole thing happen. There's no way that I would be able to do it without her her and there is no way that we'd be able to bring her on without the support of all the patrons so thank you very much if you're interested in supporting us on patreon there's a link to that in the show notes and with that out of the way let's get into this episode
2: i got into this by meeting the orange county hardcore bands the throwdowns eights and visions bleeding throughs becoming friends with them ending up going on tour with them in that early 2000s era of touring i met all those bands which included every time i die toured with every time i die decided I want to get off the road after about 10 years and wanted to be a manager, and they let me manage them as my first client. So that's the the short of the very Got long it. of it. So I did about 10 years on the road, and now I'm about 11 years into managing bands. So you were own. like, I didn't realize you were on the road that much. That was like a tour manager? Yeah, tour manager. Got I, it. Well, I started selling merch, and then it was like the, uh, we also need someone to like, hold our money while we, you know, or yeah, whatever, yeah. handle the basic logistics. So I, I would start, tour managing, from going from a merch guy and then being the guy that would hold the money and then being the guy that would go settle at night, then being the guy that would call the label, then being
1: the guy that would deal with the van when it broke down, then right. you know, before I knew it, I was tour managing. And that was kind of the beginning of when bands, like in our world, even started having yeah, tour managers. Because totally. before that, was like, a tour manager, what the fuck are you talking oh, about? Absolutely, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't really have one. So you like... could split zero dollars, you know, six ways? <laughs> exactly. Uh, when
2: I remember when, when it was like a thing because I was out with 18 Visions the and they put out, uh, had to be Vanity I'm, I'm assuming, uh, and there was money coming in and we were just like, we're traveling with money. Right. Like, this is weird, I remember right. calling the label, you know, Josh O'Trusco be like, we have money and like, I don't know what to do with this, you know? So We've never done this before. Yeah, we learned, everyone learned together on the go. Some of my clients are Circus Survive, Every Time I Die, Between the Barry and Me, Knock Loose, Turnstile, kind of a lot of bands that I have my hands in.
1: Can you just explain exactly what a manager does and doesn't do? Like, do you book shows for bands? Do you help them sure. find a label? What do you do and not do?
2: Well, it's funny because that's a very common question. And if you like ask my wife, for example, who knows me very well, she'd be like, I don't know. Like, sometimes he's talking about this sometimes, but they don't, no one really knows that's not in it. But uh, my friend explained it almost better what we don't do. It's easier to explain. So everyone's first question is, so like, bang goes on tour, you like book the show? It's like, no, that's the booking agent. Oh, okay, well like, if they get like a contract, do you like go over that? It's like, yeah, but technically their lawyer really goes over that. It's like, oh, okay, so you're the guy like that's on the tour with them and like making sure, no, that's that's actually the tour manager. So you don't you know, do shit. I don't do anything, which is the <laughs> biggest secret in the world. Just kind of get into management you don't do anything. Uh, but it's truly everything else. It's a liaison in between every decision there is from from tiny decisions like shirt designs to big decisions on what deal we should take to sign to a label uh, and, and everything in between. A lot of it as we get older is straight up therapist, psychologist, you know, just having time to deal with someone who's having a hard day on the road or having a tough time now in their marriage or mm-hmm. missing their kids, like that kind of thing. That's a huge part of it, but like- Someone's it, like, I don't know if I want a tour anymore. Totally, but yeah, I get those calls all the time yeah. from bands that people would go like, you know, like that happens but for like nuts and bolts and probably your viewership to understand and like really get it it's like we just we deal with all elements of business for the band and while there are other people that help business managers booking agents lawyers all those people that are all part of the team if you look at it as all those people are up here i'm in the middle liaisoning info and or getting info from the band back and forth to those people making sure the ship runs and making sure the booking agent stays on track and making sure the merch is ready to get on tour, making sure we have a crew booked, making sure visas are ready, making sure flights are booked. I mean, it seems kind of endless, but at the same time, like it's, it's, it's just seems like whatever slack there is, mm-hmm. we pick up and for better, or for worse. So like when I started managing, there was no social media. And now that's a huge part of our life. Like we mm-hmm. have a social media department, I could fight because there is such a demand for it. in so many platforms, like there's no chance I could keep up with, understanding those platforms let alone mastering them let alone then
1: implementing them mm-hmm. i need someone else to do that and it's at that point where sadly like so your job as a manager is to put together the team that will do a great job of running that exactly not necessarily doing it yourself
2: right and and every management company is different like some people handle others things that other people don't i handle things for certain bands that i don't for other bands because it was like an old thing that i regret doing <laughs> like i never <laughs> want to be the business manager for any bands ever again but i am the business manager for a couple bands uh-huh. because it's just I'm not gonna all of a sudden say, hey, you gotta like pay this other dude 5% now,
1: just because that's just not cool, you know? Well, before I get into the other questions, that is one thing I wanted to clear up because I think it explains a lot of things in the management world and things that do and don't make sense. How do managers get paid? Do they pay you a salary? Do you get a percentage? Like, how does that work exactly?
2: Everyone's different, of course. Gotta start off by saying that, but generally the industry standard is the manager will make 15% of every dollar. So if a bank goes out and gets paid a thousand bucks, Manager's paid 150 bucks. The band goes out and sells $1,000 of merch. This is where it gets gray, but a manager makes 15% of that. Most companies this day and age will do a net deal, so it's at least 15% after the merch bill is paid. So on $1,000, maybe 650 of that is true net. We commission 15% of that leftover, 650. But it's also across the board. So any deal, you know, whether it's album deals, royalties, it's Every dollar. And like I said, it's, it's, it's a sliding scale and it's, uh, So if they play their song in a Mazda commercial, that's part they of- They make 20 grand and we get 15% of it. Of you that, know? Yeah. So it's, it's supposed to be on every dollar. It doesn't always work out like that because when the band goes to Europe and expenses are high, I'm not gonna be like, hey, you owe me 15% of the $1,000. <laughs> you know, you, you come home with a thousand dollars left, well technically you owe me $6,000 yeah. right? based off of all the numbers. Let's not do that, you right. know, so we're, that's the other good thing about having a lot of bands is I'm not solely relying on one income, you know, there's a lot of revenue streams for us to where when a band needs uh, a break, we can come to the break, you know, and and deals are different across the board, you know, you'll hear by no means when Metallica goes and plays and makes millions of dollars, that is their manager making 15%. Once right. it gets to a certain level, they're usually on a salary base or a much slimmed down commission, but we do a 15% at Good Friday, we do a
1: 15% net deal. Well, the reason I ask is because a common question that I hear from people, whether it's bands or producers or you know various other kinds of people is like, they ask, well, how do I get a manager thinking that the situation is they don't, their problem is I don't have enough business, whether that's, I don't have enough shows or enough clients or whatever it is. Mm-hmm how do I get a manager who will like bring me all this work? And my answer to them usually is remember a manager gets paid a percentage. So it just doesn't make financial sense for a good manager to work with you until you're kind of at the point where you almost don't need a manager. There's like that middle ground totally. where uh, that's where it makes sense. But I think it's important for people to think about it that way when they're looking for a manager is what's in it for you. Yeah. Cause you get a percentage and if it's 15% of a thousand bucks a year, it just doesn't make financial sense for you to take that on. No, especially when I'm paying
2: salaries, so I'd actually lose money on a band like that. Because that's, like I said, every company's different. But the way we're set up, if I put more responsibilities on anyone's plate at the company, I give them a raise mm-hmm. in some form or another. You know, um, and that doesn't mean you don't like the band. If you say you can't, work of course for them. not. It's, it's just dollars and cents. Yeah, you know? um, it, exactly that. That's what, that's the hardest question I get. The random emails so much about like. You've talked about ad nauseum, you know, like the next step, how do I get to the next level, blah, blah, blah. It's just like you'll know, and the manager will know. And it's so rare that there's just this amazing band making money that nobody has their eye on. Right. (laughs) Like it's just so rare. Like some booking agent has seen it or heard of it, and they bring it to a manager friend, and there's Like, dude, do you know how many tickets these guys have been selling? Exactly, like, when I get a new band, it's never like, oh, I just grabbed them. It's like, okay, we're one of six people they're meeting with. Hopefully we win the, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: the the contest. So how how would you approach something like that then? If there's like, you know, a band that's making some buzz and there's five, six people who wanna work with them, like, what would you do to get them to choose to work with you as opposed to the other people in the deal?
2: Uh, I come at them, I think I relate to band members really well because I spent 10 years on the road, you know? So I can get down into the nitty gritty of touring better than most, you know? um, And understand that in 2019, that's where the vast majority of money's coming from. Everyone wants to talk about like syncs and publishing and all that fun stuff, which is cool for like this tiny, tiny echelon of bands. Like most bands uh, make the vast majority of their money from touring. And I can level with them on that and I can just explain to them that I, I get bands, I love bands, and I, I'm, our style is not for everybody in terms of um, focusing on touring and focusing on merch and focusing on things that actually make you money. So if that's not your avenue cool. as opposed to what What would be the other things that some other the people might focus on instead of that song syncs and getting their songs in Mazda's commercials. Mm-hmm. That's not my specialty. It's happened. Mm-hmm. We've got some cool syncs, but it's like, it's from the publishing company, you know, but there are I'm sure there's some movers and shakers out there that could be like, you side with me and we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's just not my style. I break it down for them. Very brass tacks being like, what are your goals?
1: That sounds like my world. If not over here, here's, you know? here's how, I would see us working together. Totally. If you're into that, let's do it. Exactly. If you're not, all good. Exactly. And I don't a, a big a big
2: thing difference with us and a lot of management companies is we don't do contracts. So my pitch is always hire us. If you don't like us, you can walk away at any time. There's no contract in terms of you sign with us. You're with us for three years. There's no sunset clause, meaning like if I booked you a tour in a year and a half and you fire me, you still owe me money on that tour. It's like I mean very rarely happens. It's like, if you don't want to work this anymore, you go, I go.
1: I think that's kind of appealing, you know? See, that's interesting to me because, you know, there's lots of times when I've been working with people who obsess over redlining a contract, five rounds of back and forth on it. And I I, I get that, obviously, you know, there is a legal argument to be made for that. But to me, it's like, are any of us ever going to litigate over this because it's like six grand? No. So either we trust each other or we don't. Right, yeah, and th-
2: especially in the service-based industry, where like I get it, if you're a label and like we're putting in hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially into this, and like yeah, got some contracts there for us, it's like it's time. It's really, it's time, you know. And I get it; it would be and terrible. Would if, you
1: want to like lock somebody into yeah, it? You know
2: what I mean? I have some crazy stories where like I've been managing a band. Like they left the manager, I'm now managing them and they had to be like, dude, they like showed us this contract we signed a long time ago and we are screwed if we don't stay with them. And like yeah. lost, the, lost the band to go back to them. It's either like, you can manage us and pay them for two years yeah. and then we're free. And I'm just like, that sounds insane. So as a manager, like, why, why would, you would you want to be, be like, like that? that?
1: Why, why would you want to work with somebody who doesn't want to be with you? I yeah. don't understand that. I don't understand
2: it either. Or maybe, like I said, it's maybe it's like they have to, I, I don't know, or, yeah. it's an ego thing or it's just like cutthroat from an era that they're right, from. Right. but maybe coming from punk hardcore touring,
1: I'd be like, that sounds terrible. Like Like, how could you even have that phone call? Like, (laughs) like after they realize that they're locked in, you're like, okay, well let's, uh, let's talk on Monday about, you know, what's going on with this tour. Like it just needs to be the weirdest call ever. It's crazy. And,
2: And you know, I have some friends that I respect as managers that do contracts and they have some horror stories where it's like, dude, I worked three years on this band when nobody cared. And it started getting traction. We started getting the things lined up, you know, let's say back then it would be like a warp Tour, or whatever, like some big, like potentially career changing scenario. And then, you know, Johnny Sexy manager comes around and I want to be with them because their bands mm-hmm. are bigger. It's like, I just got screwed on three years of my life. So yeah. it's like, I don't want to say, I don't want to like, you know, shit on someone who yeah. does contracts, but I don't think that's the case most of the time. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, the minority. So in the majority of the time in my life, I work with more established bands uh, with long careers and it seems to
1: work out for me knowing that the door is open on either side at all times that's just yeah how i'm, not, I I'm not talking shit on contracts and there's a time and a place for them yeah. I, my thing is just like arguing over you know whether the comma should be between the therefore and, and and it's just <laughs> like dude who, like we're not like if, if we're talking about like the rights to the next season of stranger things sure let's make sure every T and yeah. I or you know but for most things it's just like either I trust you or I don't and if I don't trust you no contract in the world is going to stop you from trying to fuck me or vice versa totally you know what I mean totally like if somebody's a snake they don't give a shit what it says in the contract yep yeah exactly And it, there's just never been a time where I'm like like people of, think it's some magic talisman that like you hold it it says this in the contract like yeah. it's a, a garlic to a vampire and they're like it's going to suddenly make you like, unable to be dishonest. It's yeah. just not how it is. Yeah. People think there's a lot of magic. People think like,
2: <laughs> that band, ma- that dude manages this band. If I sign with him, we'll be the next this yeah. band. And it's like, let me tell you something. If that dude could make the next this band, he would have already done it. Exactly. So there's some magic with that band. And that's the like, I deal with that all the time. Cause like, I don't manage the hugest bands, yeah. but I mean, they're all great career bands that like, I'm so lucky to have the roster I have, but I don't have anyone that's sold out, you know, Staples Center or even arenas you know like so when i hear that being like people i'm going up against for like a new client it's like oh they have like this band and da 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 like kind of roster comparing i'm like that's great like maybe maybe you would be the next huge band Mm -hmm. but chances are there was lightning in a bottle there and that's why the rest of his roster isn't like that you know
1: well same way as people like to say that the reason why their band didn't blow up is because the label didn't support them or this or that or the other, as though the label has, or anybody has like this magic button. Yeah. And that the, the label's different. not going like, you know what I don't want? Exactly. Another huge exactly. band. Exactly. I don't want another like, huge band. Like if the labels had some machine <laughs> where they just put bands in and like, you know, platinum albums kit, they would do it every time. I, all but, of us would do it all the time ever. But you even know? the biggest label or management company has lots and lots of Flops, Duds. yeah, because that's just the way it goes. Yeah, and that's the that's the sad thing about it is the flops
2: Take up the exact same amount of time probably more than the huge money makers. but that's just the game you play the 80-20 principle Yeah, is so true in management. It's like gross When I heard that I was just like it was like somebody <laughs> just shined a mirror in my face and I'm like, you're right My life. <laughs> you are right most of the money I make are from these easy bands that just get it and go and people like them and it goes. And then all the time I'm spending on these bands where it's like, I'm trying to fit square pegs and round holes across the board, you know, trying to find their fan base, trying to find the tour to take them on, trying to find the label to sign them. Versus like, yeah, of course you want to play with 10 Style. right <laughs> Of right. course you want to take take out every time I die. Like, yeah. These are like cool bands and valuable bands versus some other bands where I'm just like, please. <laughs>
1: go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the Punk Rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Well, speaking of those bands, like the career bands, uh, it's a, a kind of segment of bands I've been thinking about a lot, a lot lately. Is like Every Time I Die, Between the Buried and Me, um, Circa, you know, who are not, they're definitely good-sized bands, mm-hmm. but they're not huge uh however they will be able to play. i think any of those bands could play shows for 30 more years if they want uh, yeah. to
2: they've found their fan their fans are along for the
1: ride yeah 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 what are you and 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 that to me is like what if i was in a band that's the template i would pursue yeah you mentioned that you'd rather yeah. have like a smaller diehard exactly. fan base than like a come and go like yeah yeah i've
2: watched it with some of my friends bands that are bigger and i'll be like oh man what's up with the band it's like ah, last single didn't take off so we're kind of just stuck home for a year i'm just like What? You know like depending on that is insane.
1: Yeah, Um, so what are the what are the you've worked with so many of these bands And even the ones you haven't worked with you've been friends with them mm -hmm. for decades. I'm sure Um, What are the kind of common threads you see with bands that have that kind of longevity? Uh,
2: Commonalities between them. I feel like All the bands that I, I try to focus on a nice mixture. Like I said, I focus a lot on touring a nice mixture of types of touring they do so it's cool to be the cool, credible band, but it's also cool to get new fans, mm-hmm. you know, like every time I die is probably like the standout on all of them and like the biggest they have ever been and cool enough to go and play, you know, with whoever the converges of the world, but also like, they're, they're the coolest now that they've ever been. Right. I you know, but they'll, they'll go and play with some like not cool band and be the cool band on that bill. And we've been doing that forever. We did every other work Tour for like over a decade. Mm-hmm. We did even work Tours since from when I was touring with them up until the last one. So work Tour is to get Club new fans. New fans. Hey, we're this... and, and the same thing. They were never the band where like, dude, we're up against every time I die slot. They, were, they did great, but they weren't yeah. the like pierce the veil of that right, year or right. anything like that ever. But what they always did was have young bands talk about it on stage. Mm-hmm. And... Tons of new kids checking them out like, I've heard, I've seen that name for a long time. Like, oh wow, you watch them, you're walking away a fan, mm-hmm. bottom line. They're cool, they play tight, you're at work tour
1: so you like aggressive music, like yeah. you're gonna, they're gonna win you over. So what I'm hearing there with them is that they didn't sort of reject no. the um, the younger generation exactly. the way a
2: lot of bands do. Exactly, and opposite, we very much focused on understanding that like, look, we're asking people to come out and see us up to four times a year sometimes, you yeah. know? like. You gotta get new people out. Think about what it takes now to get somebody off the couch, away from Netflix, buy a ticket, drive to the show, get in. Oh my god. Like there's just a billion roadblocks that it's occur. Yeah. Yeah. There's a billion roadblocks that occur. So we need the biggest pool possible. And the only way to have a big pool is to focus on young people. And in our case, of heavier music, like girls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very overlooked uh demographic, sadly, where it's like you forget that if girls like your band, you have 100% more people yeah. <laughs> like you potentially at your shows. And so you see the bands that do really
1: well. It's like a nice mix of mm-hmm. male and females, mm-hmm. you know, old and young. I think like a data remember is a perfect example of that. Yeah. They've never pandered to like, you know, the fangirl kind of audience, but girls have always been welcome at their shows, totally. as well as guys. And like, to me, that's like the template for how, again, how I would approach it if I was in a band. Right. And, you know,
2: maybe data remember loses like, the dude in the torch shirt or whatever. Oh no! But they gain all the people that go to Warped Tour and right. go that, like spend money on music and potentially are lifelong fans. Right. You know? Like I'll take that all day. And it's I'm not saying you should not be like strategic about it and like you know cater to that demographic, but maybe don't try to like consciously you know, push them. Right. Away. Make the show like an unsafe environment, yeah. the yeah. hardest thing right. possible, and like you know if that's your band. That's your band. It is what right. it is. But if you have some way to try to include everyone in
1: every way, it's just better for business for across sure. the board. You know? So the, the flip side of that, you work with some of those like career bands, you also work with some, I guess, newer bands, like say Knock Loose and Turnstile, who kind of both came out of the gate pretty strong and have got a level of, I guess I'll say mainstream exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, They're not being played on the radio, but they talk about them on Billboard and NPR yeah. and shit. Um, what would you say are the keys to those two bands in particular, getting the attention of those kind of mainstream outlets and that kind of audience? Right. Um,
2: obviously, just like we were talking about, if I could push the button, and would be like, oh, this is what Turnstyle did. This is what Knock Loose did. Yeah. There's no direct answer, but I can tell you that Turnstile is the most inclusive band there is, and they're a funny one because sometimes the way they make decisions and think and sometimes overthink things drive me nuts. And we'll be thinking like, this is such a no brainer. Why are we not doing this? Uh But then we as 40 year old dudes that sit behind desk all day have to understand that like, there is a method to their madness. Mm -hmm. Whatever they're doing, playing the music they're playing that the average person could, the average even underground music listener could be like, I don't know, let's see what's so cool about this. right? There's got to be a method of their madness yeah so I credit them a lot of it mm-hmm. you know they have a lot of contacts they are juiced in to the underground and the above ground and everywhere else that like in a way that I'm not so I can guide them as best I can in terms of like managing a career and like being smart with decisions and like mm-hmm. budgeting and all that jazz but like there's got to be some level of like hey you know more than me in this so in that band in particular that's what I think the case is they're on you know. Not a major label mm-hmm. so some of those press looks that's not me That's not me calling up be like sure we need right. the cover of gq <laughs> right <laughs> not me they have a gnarly publicist They yeah. got us insane opportunities and
1: but but even then that same publicist could try to get me in gq and it's not gonna happen no, exactly. so that's something about them exactly that's special and, and they're infectious and it's the same thing if you see them live no matter if you think
2: like they sound like through <laughs> 11 fuck <laughs> this you leave going like that was fucking cool yeah it's undeniable you yeah. cannot not my daughter's six and they're her favorite band because she watched them just like, these guys are so cool yeah. and so nice and like legitimately care about creating a safe and fun environment for everybody. It's, you can't fake that, mm-hmm. you can't.
1: And it's just, you feel that, you know? So how about Knock Loose? Cause that's the one that actually surprises me more. Yeah. Like Turnstile makes sense to me because you know, uh, their music is a lot more accessible. Uh, they have like such a cool like aesthetic. Knock Loose is the one, I I love Knock Loose, but it it sounds like what you listen to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's like nasty shit. They're not like these huge like personalities that, um, you know, have some larger than life kind of persona, Mm -hmm. but they are getting more traction than I would have ever guessed a band like that could get. And I'm really interested in why. Yeah. I I wish I could tell
2: you exactly why, because it's the same thing where... I'll have people that are kind of like fringe, being like, I hear about this Knock Loose band all the time, and those fringe people, I can show them like um, Turnstile or even E-Tid select songs. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, okay, if I put on Knock Loose, they're just like, what? Like this is just <laughs> straight out. Yeah. brutal. Like yeah. I don't get it. The voice is crazy. Where's the singing part? You know. But they're along those same lines where they do their thing. And like it, it's strange because. Where they take influence from is what we grew up on, yeah. And it's an era where it wasn't a big thing, right? You know, like the, the '90s or whatever, hardcore wasn't like some some something that like or even a sound that many people aspired for, right? And I don't know if it's because this new generation hasn't heard it or they get um, you know the cosine from tons of bands mm-hmm. of our generation that all like them musically and personally, or um, it's lightning in a bottle or yeah. the label did, you know, Pure Noise is great and they they're all over this band. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact reason. Like, yeah. you know, I wish I had some sexy answer, yeah. but they're they're just awesome kids making very like calculated decisions and everything has a point. There's no like randomness with art or anything. It's like, it is all very thought out from lyrics to color schemes to who they're touring with. They're already on that like, when we headline, we're gonna show you what we like and we're taking out cool hardcore bands and this is what we listen to, but we're also not afraid to go support very much not hardcore mm-hmm. bands and grab those kids also. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it, I've seen these kids that are like ready for softer music and they stand out like a sore thumb
1: as this heavy band of the bill. And it just always totally works. For the kid that, that who's in that crowd that is interested in something heavy, he just found his new favorite band. Oh yeah, and if, that's
2: the same thing. They look They look great on stage yeah. and play tight. Brian says great, like just cool, inclusive, hardcore yeah. words that like, if you've never heard that, you're just like, what you know he, what He's mean? a really
1: good front man even though he doesn't have that like huge larger than life persona he's definitely very charismatic in a yeah. way that like you want to look at him when he's on stage or in a video or something you have a hard time looking away yeah i mean and they defy all the
2: questions that everyone wants I'm like how do i get bigger i need to do this in my world do i need to be in different It's like they're from oldham county kentucky yeah. like they created their own thing and toured around their own thing enough to where people just start noticing. And mm-hmm. once you're undeniably good and undeniably making waves, booking agent take notice, Label takes notice. They mm-hmm. say, we need a manager, it's just, you know, that's how I feel like a lot of people that watch this go like, what do I do?
1: And it's like, they just start small and the bubble grows. And the bubble well, grows. I will say one thing they did, which I think, I, I'm sure it was a, a, a deliberate decision, maybe even coming on it, was working with Will Putney. I think Uh, really leveled them up totally because that first record, I think the songs were there, but the production was it's okay. Mm -hmm. But the uh, the one they did with Will was like clearly leveled them up totally. Yeah, I probably don't give engineers enough credit. Coming from my world
2: of like, that's just the artist brain and the manager brain are very different. Like I'm a linear as fuck person. You put me in a spreadsheet and I'm like, let's go. You tell me to like pick out a snare tone. I'm just like, please somebody, (laughs) you know. And that's just. They all sound know. good to me. Tell me you like. Exactly. And that's knowing your strengths. I think it's a big thing. Like I know my strengths is like on that linear side. And so I'll hire people or get help from people that aren't like that. So I don't mean to forget Will, but Will's incredible. I think Will's delivered some of the best records for my bands that have had, that have a lot of records mm-hmm. ever. And it's very rare that at least my bands, I should say very rare. Mostly my bands like to jump around. And there's a couple that stick with their guy and a couple very jump around bands are like returning to will mm-hmm. and i'm just like well he's will. definitely the guy right now oh yeah yeah he's definitely the guy and he's broken i mean he did a hard nut to crack uh personality wise people think that like i watch the dvd and those dudes just like do keg stands and party yeah. all day like that is not true they're old and have yeah. like a lot of personalities and now a lot of variances with other bands other careers families there's a lot going on there so if you can break into that camp i think you can break into any camp and mm-hmm. they love them
1: If you look at a lot of those, sorry, I mean to cut you off, but I think there's an interesting point. It's like a lot of these kind of career bands don't really fit neatly into any one place. Right. They kind of just weave between a bunch of them. Totally. And I think there's something to be said for that. Right. Yeah. It's hard. It's just, everyone wants
2: to be the cool band. Of course. Everyone wants to be like credited from press outlets and all that jazz. But like, if not cool mall kids like your band, be happy someone does. Yeah. At one point, no one did and you would have done anything to have a thousand people care about your band, let alone in one city. And then if you, you know, you, you tell the kids starting out, you're gonna play to a thousand people, but it's just kids from the mall that like, <laughs> really don't care about music. They'd be like, I don't care, that sounds amazing. Right. And then you get some notoriety and you see your friend that was yeah. got praised and pitchfork, you are just like, gotta be this cool band. And I just wanna be like, dude, just be happy someone cares. I right, promise, right. judge success by how long you can do what you love right. and not who, what taste makers are liking your band yeah. or saying you're cool. You know, if you're, Making a career out of what you love, you're winning because everyone in the world does jobs they hate. And if you cannot do that, I promise you're winning. Focus on that side of the positive of it, and
1: you know, embrace this side that may not be the sexiest mm-hmm. aspect of it. And from what I've seen, I don't really think that the approval of those tastemaker type people necessarily translates into any kind of business. No. Like, uh, do you know the radio station KEXP by any chance? I don't. They're like one of the bigger indie stations. It's in Seattle and they have a band play there every day and they put it on YouTube. And I assumed that these bands were all big because KEXP is so credible and everyone right. says they're so great. And I looked and some of them have like, you know, 1200 views on this video and their channel has a million subscribers. And I'm like, nobody gives a shit what this DJ at KEXP thinks.
2: No, and that's what's funny too is even my bands, you know, I don't want to mention anyone else, so I've mentioned my bands, like the ones that get touted as like these cool bands have less ticket sales than yeah. maybe like the more embarrassing bands. Or like my best streaming bands are like the bands that from the Warped Tour world. Mm-hmm. You know, like by far, including bands that are signed to majors that have been around longer. Like that's just all demographics are different. So trying to like pick anything, you know, do your best to plan and 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 be strategic. But trying to say like we're writing a record and we're gonna tackle this yeah, demographic. Right, right. It's like dude, that is a disaster story that I've read the ending to so <laughs> many times. And I'm like, some of my own friends' bands where I'm just like, this band's gonna be fucking huge and they're gonna have fans forever. They have this cult following and then they write like a pop record and right. everyone's like <laughs> And they're like,
1: no, 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 just kidding, just kidding. We write like a, we're right, back, we're right, back, but right. it's too late, you it, know? It's too late. Yeah. Because they know, yeah, they, they, it doesn't feel authentic anymore. Yeah. Well, last question I have, um, which I touched on in video, I'll tell you my point of view on it, see what you think. As far as, you know, a lot of people ask me about working in the music industry, like how do I do that? A lot of people think, they ask, should I go to college for music business? And my answer is, absolutely not. You just need to get out there and make friends and be in the right place at the right time and have some sort of skill. Yeah, I mean, the boring word is networking and it's just tried and true
2: 100%. I could be, I'm not the best manager in the world. I'm not the best manager in my city, you know, for, I, but I have a big network of people that know me, like me, trust me, and then I have the wherewithal to know that if I want to serve these bands properly, I need all these other people around me to help me serve properly, but to get started, which seems like that's like the question mm-hmm. of, of your channel, it's all networking, 100%, I could be the best manager in the world, if I didn't know every time I die, they would have never hired me, And how do you know them, how do you
1: get to know them?
2: 'Cause they're I was the I would tour country. with 18
1: Visions and Throwdown and
2: either play the fest with E Tid or they would jump on our tours. And, and how do you know 18 Visions? My senior year of high school, a kid got transferred into my school wearing an 18 Vision shirt. There was like five Harker kids mm-hmm. in my class. And I'm just like, who what? And he happened to know all the all the 18 Visions guys. So their drummer, Ken Floyd. I met him and he introduced me to that whole like I went to the school in Fountain Valley in Orange County and he introduced me to all the Newport Beach guys. And those are the guys that were in those bands and just literally took me with him. Like, oh, this dude's cool, come
1: on over. So that's the right place, right time. Right place, right time, place, right time. I'm met a dude. About, like, And you gotta put yourself out out there to do that. Like, nobody's gonna come to your house and pull you off your couch and say, you seem like a cool guy, let me introduce you to the world. Totally. Like, you have to put yourself out there. Yeah, and I had
2: to be willing to tour for free. And, right. You know, like, eat shit for a lot of years and take, even when I did start getting paid, take less. I would suggest like I just want to make this much. I don't I don't want to get paid while all these other guys are getting paid not having the confidence that you know yet um so there's a lot of eating shit to get to where you are ready to even be a manager or anything in that world you know but by by far the biggest still to this day the biggest thing is networking you know if i need to get on a tour i can't just submit it through the agency and say like hey like look at my band it's like okay who knows Mm -hmm. this camp who knows and i don't need to know don't take me right to their manager If if i gotta climb a few people to get in the right space, in the right room, just to be like finally co-signed by the right guy to when the manager takes my call, great. I'll start however many little steps I gotta take. But in my world, I mean, it's a it's text terms, you know, mm-hmm. text terms with promoters, mm-hmm. labels, agencies, you know, it's very, very easy. I have this network mm-hmm. built rock solid, but my network grew on tour. Like I, I when when I'm, having an issue with someone on tour and they're playing like, I hate this room because of this. Like, oh man, I've been in that room. I can relate for this. It's like, I have a lot of experience. And and, and the fact that I've toured a lot, I meet those promoters and I meet these uh, people in other cities and other, you know, whatever. I don't even travel that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Now with the family, I'm not the guy that like flies to London for the big show or like gets to the New York show for the start of tour. I just, it's, I have too many bands and I I got to pick my battles, you know? I. I won't miss a show in SoCal, no matter what. I'll be in mean, San Diego, OC, LA. Like I'm there, but to get me across the country, it's hard, dude. It's hard. We I mean, have two kids, and like yeah. I run the I run the company and, and other side businesses, and like just have my own hobbies. I'm like, getting older. Like being being away from like my routine of like the yeah. gym, jiu-jitsu and all that just sounds like a nightmare. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys really want me here? Like. I know when I was on tour, and it'd be New York, and we're stressed out, and everyone would be like, "Oh, by the way, manager coming." The whole yeah. band goes, oh. <laughs> the whole the whole band goes, "Ah." You gotta cater, to- and it's not that like they don't like the manager, but it's just like you're in your more, more team, layer of things to just think things about. things to do, yeah. and like this day and age, like I don't, we don't need to get into a room and like meet face to face with my booking agent every day. I don't. We text and talk a hundred times a day. Just because our band's playing in New York doesn't mean like this is a new thing, and that's right. you know. I don't want to say that's like, that's bullshit. I see a lot of people doing it. It's just for me, the volume of stuff I'm doing and the, kind of the relationship I've created with my bands, I, I create responsible bands mm-hmm. that don't need to be like handheld through everything. And if it's like a big thing and like, we're really stoked, like, of course, of course I'll be there. Yeah. But your 37 time playing, you know, Chicago, right. like I'm stoked it's sold out. Like, trust me, I'm very grateful. Do you, do you really need big? Do you need me there? Do I need to fly on a Thursday to be there on a Friday to rush back on a Saturday just to be shot?
1: Like, the, yeah. you don't need me there. picture like any other show it's gonna go off just fine (laughs) you know all right well thank you very much for uh your words of wisdom super interesting uh is there anything you want to plug or promote or tell anybody watching to do i'm stoked you're even
2: watching the channel because it means you're trying to do something a little left to center in some way of your life and that's my biggest advice to anyone don't don't think you gotta go get like a normal job and just fall into the rat race because the rat race sucks so do whatever you can to not be the rat race and If it means eating shit for a few years, there's nobody, almost nobody you know that's just like, yeah, I just walked in, everything was great. You eat shit, and you eat a little less shit, and you eat a little less shit, and all of a sudden you're not eating shit anymore. So, eat shit, but not too much shit.
1: All right. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you if you want to help the show there's a couple things that you can do first of all share it on social media if you share it tag us tag finn mckenty that's me and tag deanna chapman that's a producer Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. It is Ryan here,
0: and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?